you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the book of Haggai, chapter 1. I'm sure everyone was thinking, like, good. Like, I was really wondering when we were finally going to get to Haggai, chapter 1. And so you might need the index. Uh, if, if you, you, you can use one of our bulletins, which doesn't look like a normal church bulletin. It's, just a, it's a big piece of paper that says church bulletin at the top of it, um, just so you'll know what it is. Um, anyway, so we'll, we'll be getting to Haggai in a second. So um, how was your year? Uh, it, like, I, I don't know how, like, okay. I am generally awkward in front of people. Um, but I, I realize, like, I do this. Like, this is the thing that I do. But I'm, I generally find my way through the awkwardness into a place of comfort. And that's when I haven't, like, been standing in my living room by myself looking at my laptop for the last 14 months, uh, which is definitely what I've been doing. And so now I'm feeling all sorts of otherwise awkward in the, in the midst of this. I do want to say, are we, on, are we doing Facebook right we now? Are. We're yeah. live? Yeah. Okay, this is our first time ever to do this. So hello to Facebook people um, out, out there to both of you, um, for, uh, for checking in with There's us. There's three. three. Three? No way! Wow, mega church. So, um, so anyway, I'm trying to work my way through the, the feeling of, of awkwardness and just trying, trying to find like what, whatever amount of balance and normalcy that, that I'm, I'm capable of in, in the midst of, of all of this. Um, I do want to. I, I spent this last this last week has been crazy, just trying to trying to make sure everything. In fact, I was I was up I was awake at four o'clock in the morning, like going through. I'm not even joking, like going through all the like the things that I could have possibly forgotten. And I realized the one thing I didn't do that I'm definitely meant to do was buy creamer for the coffee. So if your whole thing today was like I will feel normal once I get to church, pour myself a hot cup of coffee, pour a little creamer in there, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be exactly the way I remember it. And you got here and there was no creamer. That's my fault. Really sorry I messed up your entire, like, the last 14 months of your life have been a wash uh, as a result of me forgetting that. So I, I was really beating myself up. So you are, if you are the type of person who has a hard time giving yourself grace and um, forgiveness, uh, then uh, know that I am with you. I am, uh, I, I am I'm in the same boat. So I'm, I'm trying really hard to, to teach myself that in the midst of the realization that I have a list of things to, to do, and I did almost all of them, but that's the one thing I definitely forgot to do. So sorry. Really... If, if like putting creamer in your coffee is like the way you like feel like comfortable and I blew that for you today. I'm really, really sorry. So anyway, um, we're back. We are, we are in this room together. And I, a thing I, or I definitely had Sundays where I thought like this may never, we, we, this may never happen. So that we are here and that you're here is a really big deal to me. Uh, we, we, I know we, we did Easter and, um, we, we were in the parking lot, and just seeing everybody that day, you were here with us that day, that was a really like big deal. That was an emotional day for me to see everybody there. And, the, and so to, to have like sort of a second return, to be back in, in this space, like looking at the, the grace and peace on the back wall and looking at your like half of your faces um, is, is, a, is a big deal. And it, it, it means a lot to me that, that you would be here, that you would trust us, and that you would, um, you, you know, like I realize like we're all out of practice at this, so that you would take the time to be here with us. It, I, I don't take that lightly. So thank you so much for being with us. Um, when I left the last church that I was at, uh, b- before we started Collective, I, w- I was at another church. It was a much larger church than this. And um, I, I had been a teaching pastor at that church for about five years. And before that, I had been a teaching pastor at another church and then a youth pastor before that. Before that, I grew up in church. I can't remember a time that I wasn't in church. As a, I, as a human being, Like I, I can't remember a time that my parents were like taking me to church like from like child dedication on up. And, um, and so I, like, all of a sudden, for the first time in my whole life, seven years ago, after I, I was um, graciously asked to no longer go to this church uh, by the staff as, as a, as a uh, former staff member, 
I was graciously invited to no longer be on staff at Independence Church. So uh, I accepted that invitation uh, and was no longer on staff there. And all of a sudden was like shocked to find myself like I am without a church, like this for the first time in my entire life. And so, um, and my family is without a church. So what do we do? So we were, we were for the first time in my entire life, in my early 30s, what, what do we do on Sunday mornings? Because every Sunday morning for my entire life has been like, there's been a church attached to it. So what do I do now? And so we, over time, and we, and we didn't know at the time, we, we, we had no sense that we were gonna start a church. That, that sort of came later. So at first it was just sort of like a, well, now what are we gonna do? Because I didn't wanna like, I, quite frankly, I was feeling kind of raw about the whole thing. And so I didn't wanna just like start going to another church that didn't feel quite right. Um, and, and we didn't really know what else to do. And so we developed like a new ritual. And the ritual was we would get up, we would take our kids, there were only two of them at the time, we'd take them to Dunkin' Donuts. And we'd get them some donuts, and then we'd go to a, like a playground. If it was nice outside, we'd go to an outdoor playground. If it was, it was not so nice outside, we would take them to the little kids' playground over at uh, Northeast Mall. And that was what we would do every single Sunday morning from the time that we left the church that I was at before to the time that we started this church, which was about a five- or six-month period of time. And so we had this period of time where we were kind of like kind of tossed, up, not of our own free will, into this situation where we didn't really know what to do. And we didn't have any sort of like ritual to lean back on. And so what we had to do is we had to find a new ritual because we had to do something. And we tend to go looking for some kind of order, especially when we feel like order has been lost. And so in March of 2020, 14 months ago, we all went through a massive transition out of order and into chaos. We went through a transition. So what happens quite often, and this happens to everybody, it just it happens to all of us at once, was we go out of a place of orientation Where, I spelled that right, yes? Okay, so, we good? Okay, I've, I've got my spell checker over here. So, uh, we, so we, we, we have a place of orientation, a thing that feels normal. This is a, a way of being. And then all of a sudden something happens, we lose a job, there's a pandemic, you never know. And then all of a sudden we go out of whatever once felt normal, no longer feels normal. So we go out of orientation and we find ourselves being forced into disorientation. Okay, so, okay, I tend to, when I'm, when I'm in a hurry and I have other things on my mind, I often will misspell things, and um, even though I, I, no kidding, I practice this so that I won't mess this up, um, and I still mess it up sometimes. So, anyway, we find ourselves, like, we, I have a church home, I am on staff at this particular church, and then all of a sudden I'm not anymore, I'm in a place of ori a disorientation, I move out of orientation into disorientation. We're going about our lives as normal, all of a sudden we're told there's a virus, and we all have to be a lot more careful than we've ever had to be in our whole life. So we go out of orientation into disorientation. If we ever find ourselves in disorientation, what often happens first is we go looking for some sense of, like we can't live in disorientation forever. We just can't do it. So we have to go looking for something that feels kind of normal. We have to go like creating some sense of stability. We have, how many times over the past year have you heard the phrase, the new normal, right? Because this is what we're talking about. What, what happens is, we have a, a state of normal, that state of normal is disrupted, and all of a sudden we are disoriented. And we have to go find something that feels like normal. In fact, if I were to go around the room and just ask everybody, we, we don't have time for this, but if, if we were to just go around the room and say like, hey, what have your Sunday mornings been like for the past 14 months? I would imagine for a lot of us, it would begin with, well, we didn't really know what to do for the first little while. And then over time, we developed a, like for us, what it was, was I would, we, we always, like, Dunkin' Donuts is always, like, our, our, like, fallback. So I would go get, like, Dunkin' Donuts to go, bring it back to the house, and then I would stand in the living room, 
with my laptop on a stack of Bible commentaries, and I would look into my laptop, and I would preach a sermon. That was my Sunday morning for the past, mostly for the past year and two months. So, like, I can tell you that we were we were taken out of whatever felt normal, and we were pushed into a normal, but we had to go find something that felt normal again, because we can't live in that state of disruption all the time. We just can't handle it. So it may, and now, like, and we're not fully looking back, like we're still like masked and we're still like taking precautions. Like um, I, I realize we're, we're still sort of moving our way out of the pandemic. It's not like a light switch, it's more of a dimmer, but it's, we have this, um, it may take us the rest of our lives to really puzzle out and really get our hands around, like what exactly did we all just go through together? You know what I mean? Like it, it's, the. Like this, this is the kind of it hasn't happened in over a hundred years. Like there's no one with with a living memory that that knows what it's like to go through what we all just went through together. Like no no one had, never, there was no playbook for this. They never when I was in seminary they taught us how to do a lot of things. They did not teach us how to pastor a church through a pandemic. So well, one of the things that we're gonna probably have to figure out is what did we just go through? How like how have how is how and not only that how has what we just went through changed us? The thing about feeling disoriented, it's not new. Like, again, like, I I understood disorientation, not to this degree, but I understood it before the pandemic because, like I said, I, I, I knew what it was to lose a job. I would imagine a lot of us, we could tell stories about the, the times that we felt like everything was normal, and then all of a sudden something was lost. We had to move through a transition. We had to go through some sort of change. And for a little while, it felt like we don't really know which way is up. So the thing about feeling disoriented is it's all over the scriptures, which, of course, brings us to the book of Haggai, naturally. So um, the book of Haggai takes place at the end of what's often referred to as the Babylonian exile. So just real quickly, if you don't know what the Babylonian exile is, in about the year 597 BCE, there was uh, the, the Babylonian Empire invaded the territory of Jerusalem and the territory around it. So the city of Jerusalem and the territory around it. So what ends up happening is this entire territory is, is, is taken over by the Babylonian Empire. And the, and the Babylonian Empire basically decides, like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to kill everybody that we can. Everybody that we don't kill will either leave for dead behind in Jerusalem, but most of the people who are able-bodied, what we're going to do is we're going to take them, we're going to kidnap them, we're going to take them back to Babylon, and we're going to teach them how to live in our society, and they will just become like us. We'll, the people who can become useful will make them useful. That was, that was what the Babylonian, the Babylonian exile was. So for about 70 years, you have this group of people who are rooted in the city of Jerusalem, but because their city and their temple have been utterly destroyed, they are taken away, and now they live in the Babylonian Empire. And that, that lasts for about 70 years. So about 70 years later, in the year 538 BCE, uh, Cyrus of Persia conquers Babylon, and one of the things that Cyrus of Persia decides is, or he decrees that all of the Hebrew exiles are allowed to return back to the, their territory and rebuild their cities and their temple if they want to, which is a really big deal. So Cyrus basically says, everybody's allowed to go home if they want to. And so Haggai is writing as one of the prophets who says, okay, we're going to go home. We are allowed to go home now. So what, do, what does it look like for us to return home? So when you're in a situation like this, when you are in a state of exile and all of a sudden you are told it's safe to return, one of the questions that happens is, or one, one of the first questions that we have to confront is, where do we start? How do we be, like, how, like that, that was one of the big stressors for me this week, or over the past couple of weeks, is there's so much to do before we can have one service. Where do I even start? Like, how do I even, like, what's, like, how do you go from zero to one when you don't even know which way is up, when, when you are so disoriented? 
And so this is where the people are at the beginning of the book of Haggai. The people are being told, you are allowed to go home. But there's this question of like, yeah, but what does that even look like? How do, how do we begin? How do we rebuild? How do we go back? Home? How do we go from disorientation back into orientation when we don't even know which way is up? So Haggai is one of the prophets who, uh, who returned to Jerusalem, and he had a very clear idea. He, his, Haggai's whole thing is, I know exactly where we need to start. We need to start by building the temple. And this wasn't a given. It wasn't just a given that, ever, that we would just like, okay, we're, we're going to go back to Jerusalem. We'll rebuild the temple, and then we'll re rebuild the rest of our society. That was not an automatic thing that everybody decided. In fact, there was a lot of very strong disagreement about where to start. A lot of the people had ideas about, we'll, we'll rebuild our businesses. We'll rebuild certain homes and communities. There, were, there was not a consensus about where do you start to rebuild at this time. So there, um, the book of Haggai is this one prophet's case for specifically prioritizing the temple. So the dominant question of Haggai isn't just where do we start. The dominant Haggai wants to dig a little bit deeper. And Haggai's dominant question is, what does it really mean for us to return? Does return mean just going out of disorientation and snapping back into orientation like we're made of elastic? Does return just look like trying to reset everything back to the way it used to be, to make everything look the way it used to look? Or is there something deeper about a return that we have to consider? Is it simply trying to hit the reset button on civilization, or is there some, some larger thing that we're trying to tap into? Haggai's question is not simply, where do we start? Haggai's question is, what are, what are we even doing? Why are we returning? What does it mean for us to return? So if you want to take a look at Haggai chapter 1, um, we'll just start right there. We'll start at the beginning of chapter 1. It says, in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josadak. So if you're like trying to come up with baby names, the book of Haggai's got a lot of good suggestions for you. So uh, the high priest. So it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So he's saying, there, are, there is a section of people who say, look, the temple is not our priority. There, there are other things that are more important. And Haggai's trying to make the case of, you know, the temple needs to be the priority, and here's why. So it says, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, speaking of the temple, remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. In other words, we're doing a lot of things, but we're not really stopping to ask why we're doing these things. And we're just sort of spinning our wheels. And we're just sort of, the, I love this, the, the image is so like visceral of, you're, like you're earning money, but you're dropping your coins into a purse with holes in it. So he's, he's saying like, what like what are we even doing? Why are we doing the things that we're doing? Is it are we just trying to go back to normal? Are we just spinning our wheels, or is there some bigger thing that we could be trying to do instead? So it says. Um, then it said in verse seven, it says, "This is what the Lord Almighty says: Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house, so that I will take pleasure in it and be honored." Says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. You expected much, but it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I call for a drought on the field and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and all the labor of your hands. So there's a futility to what they're doing. Like I said, it's like we're dropping coins in, into a purse with holes in it, and they're just trying to get by. And the prophet says, don't you feel like we're just kind of 
spinning our wheels and investing in and not investing in anything larger than just ourselves. And so if you read this at face value, especially the last half of this, this passage, it sounds a little petty. Does it not? Like if we're going to be honest and just read this at face value, it sounds like God is being very petty. Like you didn't build the temple first, and so now I'm going to make things harder for you. That's not really what's going on here. I realize like through our 21st century eyes, it can seem like that's what's going on. But the temple, here's the thing about the temple though. This isn't just a place where they would gather like once a week to like sing songs and do a sermon or do like various rituals. The temple was not just like, this is the holy place. And so we just have to have a holy place. And so if you don't have a holy place, then the gods are unhappy with you and the gods will withhold like good things that the gods withhold. That's not the whole point of this. The temple wasn't just a place where you would go to honor God. The temple represented something larger in the consciousness of the people. The reason the reason they destroyed the temple in the first place was the Babylonians were trying to, to send a message and they were trying to say, you are not who you think you are. When you destroy a people's temple, you're not just destroying the place where they, they go to worship. What you're saying to that group of people in the, in the ancient Near East, you're saying, we are taking away your core identity because your core identity as a people are rooted in, in which gods you worship. And so when, when Haggai says, we need to rebuild the temple, what he's getting at here is he's saying, we don't really know who we are without the temple. The temple is the core of what reminds us that we have a central identity. It wasn't, again, it wasn't just being petty. The, the temple wasn't just a place where they just did certain religious things. The temple was the central locus of the larger identity of the people. The temple was the, was the physical structure that was meant to be a reminder. We are a part of a larger story. We, are, we have a shared identity that is rooted in something bigger than just our day-to-day -day survival. It's not just about survival. It's not just dropping coins in a purse with holes in it. The temple is who we, how we remember who we really are. The book of Haggai, the whole point of the book of Haggai is it reminds us that disorientation does not simply go away just because you're allowed to go back to your previous life. You don't stop feeling disoriented just because you're told you can go back to normal. Just because your favorite restaurant reopened doesn't mean you can feel like everything is back to the way it's supposed to be. Human beings are not elastic. We are, we are marked by disorientation. We, we don't just get out of it as fast as we can. We're marked by it. It, leaves it, it can leave us feeling bruised and scarred. And it, it's, it is possible to return to where you came from and still not remember who you are. Because disorientation changes us. It, you can't just go back to orientation and pretend like everything is the same way it was because you have been changed by this. You can't just rebuild everything and expect everything to look the way it was and everything to feel normal because normal isn't what it used to be. It is possible to go home and forget every, or to go back to where you came from and to try and like restart all of the normal stuff and for everything to feel just a little bit wrong because we're not the same people that we once were. It's possible to return to where you came from and still not remember who you are. By the way, the word repent, if you've ever encountered the word repent in the scriptures, the word repent in Hebrew is the word teshuva. The word teshuva literally means return. So when we talk about re repent, we don't. it's not just like you need to feel really bad about this thing. You need to, I, I need to repent of the, the fact that I forgot to buy creamer today. Or like I need to like repent and feel really, really bad about all the things that I, ha I did or didn't do right. It's repent is, no, you have a core identity. There is, there is a version of you that is the person that you were meant to be. And to repent is to return to that original version of you, of the person that God created you to be. So when we talk about repenting, we're talking about a return from exile and a reclaiming of a sacred identity. So because what's the point of returning if you don't remember who you are? That is the question that Haggai is trying to ask. Haggai is saying, 
I know that rebuilding everything feels like a lot. I know it feels like we don't even really know where to start, and everybody has a different like set of priorities. But we need to focus on rebuilding the temple before we do anything, because without the temple, we won't remember who we are until we reconnect ourselves to the larger story that we're invited to be part of. So let's keep going through Haggai. So in Haggai chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, uh, the governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Who, who, does anybody even remember what this place looked like? How, how does it look to you now? Does it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted you with you when you came out of Egypt, which is another point of orientation and disorientation. He's referring back to the story of the Exodus. And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, watch this, in this place, I will grant peace. Which, by the way, in Hebrew is the word shalom. In this place, I will grant shalom. What is shalom? Shalom is the state of what it means for things to be the way that they were. It's not just there will be no conflict. Shalom is, this is the way things were meant to be. We will return to shalom. We will become who we were always meant to be. In this place, I will remind you who you were always meant to be. This is what we're talking about when we talk about returning. In this place, I will grant shalom. In this place, I will center you in a story that is about how things were meant to be. For Haggai, the temple is about shalom. It's not just about going back to the way things were, because we can't. We can't just hit the reset button and pretend like everything is the same as it was 14 months ago, because it's not. We have all been changed by this. I can't even imagine all the different ways that we've been changed. So you can't go out of disorientation, snap right back into orientation. There's an, a third stage, which is called reorientation. Yeah, okay. So, um, so reorientation is not just we're going back to the way things were. Reorientation is things have changed. We have changed, you have changed. Things are not exactly what they once were. We're looking, we're trying, we're trying to establish some sense, some sense of normal, some sense of identity, but it's not quite the way that it once was. So reorientation is a reminder that the story continues to move forward. It's about reclaiming a central identity, not just in the past, but in the immediate present and in the future. I mean, personally, and I feel like I've, been, I've, I've talked about this a lot, but personally, over the last year, one of the things that I learned about myself that I didn't fully know um, is that I struggle with mental illness. I, uh, I found out last either August or September um, through a, like a, an official diagnosis that I suffer from severe chronic depression, and I mean, which was brand new information to me, and anxiety, which was not new information to me, um, nor to anyone who's ever met me once um, that I struggle with anxiety. Um, and so, and, and the thing, one of the things that I've sort of been working out with my therapist is, is kind of going through, like going back through my life and specifically my adulthood and trying to like find like little signs that the depression has been there. Because I didn't know, I didn't know that that's, that was what I was going through. I had different names for it. I would call it things like burnout or exhaustion. 
And what I didn't know was that, no, this is, this is a thing that is in your brain that you have a lot of times very little, if any, control of. And so one of the things that I had to learn about myself is I struggle with mental illness in a way that I didn't understand before. I would love to go back a year to a time when I didn't, when, when I wasn't struggling with that or I wasn't so acutely struggling with it at least. But, uh, but I can't. Well, I, I, can't, I can't go back to a time when this is not a thing that I live in. So what can I do? I can't go back, I can't snap myself back into regular orientation because that part of me is gone, or that part of me has changed. What I can do is I can move towards reorientation, and I can begin to sort of embrace the fact that I am a person who lives with mental illness, and that that has certain implications on how I spend my time, how I use my energy, how I um, sort of like guide my own thoughts, how I like certain like medications that I I am um, a person who lives with this, and that is part of the reorientation. It's sort of embracing, like, oh, I can't go back to a time before I knew that about myself because I know that about myself now. So maybe you're struggling to find normal because you're looking for things to feel the way that they used to feel, but but things never move backwards. You can't unlearn what you've learned. You can't unsee what you've seen. You can't unlive through what you've lived through because we're all in a process of reorientation. We are here. And we're looking, I would imagine you're here, partially at least, looking for some sort of normalcy. And we remember the way things were before the pandemic, and we want to go back to that. I know I do. And some things we can, we can get a pretty close approximation to, but some things are, are different. We're, we're still wearing masks. We're still taking temperatures. We're not all the way through this yet. Matt and Allison are gone, and that's something we're going to have to continually, like, continue to grieve as a community. That we've, um, like, since, since we last gathered, our music pastor, um, has uh, has relocated, and and it, it's it's good for them, um, but it's also something that we have to grieve. The bulletins and the coffee pots don't look the same as they used to. Maybe that's a little bit disorienting. We have no creamer, people. <laughs> um, we can't even safely do communion together yet. And so there there are things about this that aren't quite normal. And so we're still in a in a process of disorientation and reorientation. It's going to take us a little while, I think, to get our feet under us. And that's okay because it's it's been 14 months. It's been it's been a while, and we it, we can't just assume that everything's going to feel right and normal and the way it used to be because you're not who you used to be. I know I'm not, and so we're 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 trying to find a point of reorientation. Things are different, and we have to. And part of like finding a, like a home in and peace and shalom and reorientation is embracing the things that we've lost or like acknowledging and grieving. That said, we do have a core identity. We, as a church, we are people who see ourselves of bringers of grace and peace. It's on the back wall. It's all I can see when I when I look up. And and so we are people who are oriented towards grace and peace, a shalom in the world. We are trying to create space that provides people love and comfort and belonging. One of the things uh, I was uh, I'm going to make a lot of references to my therapist because that's other than my wife and my kids, that's the person I probably spent the most amount of time with <laughs> over the past year. Um, but one of the questions I was I was articulating to my therapist, like I'm feeling a lot of things about like us going back, and I, you know, like what, what what's this going to feel like? And she asked me a question that Haggai is asking this, the people that he's writing to, which is, what's the point of going back? Like, and not and not like you shouldn't go back, but like really, what's the point? Is it is it just to go back to normal, just to have a thing that you do every Sunday morning, or is the point to go back something else? And I and she was kind of guiding me to this place of. No, the point of going back is we're trying to create space. We're trying to create a specific kind of space that offers grace and peace to people who need it. We're trying to engage conversations about Jesus and doubt and faith in a way that makes people feel safe and seen and okay 
to be going through those kinds of things. For us, that's the temple. For us, that's the center of our identity here. For us, the whole point here is we're trying to create a space that has a specific purpose to it. That, that we're trying to create a space that offers grace and peace to people who maybe walk in in need of those things. And that's what we're trying to, that's the center of the bullseye for us. That's what we're trying to do here. Look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. In Ephesians 2, uh, this writer Paul writes to this group of people who are trying to figure out what are we doing? Why are we, why are we, why are we gathered? Why are we doing anything? And Paul is trying to answer that question. So Paul writes in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning of verse 14, he writes, For he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one, and I love this, new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. What is Jesus inviting us to be? Jesus is inviting us to be new to make peace, to create a space where peace can be found for people who are desperate for it. We are the new humanity. As a church, this is our point of reorientation. What does it look like for us to return? It looks like creating a space where people can encounter grace and peace. If maybe they limped through the door in need of something, some sort of just fresh, it's going to be okay. Some, like some sense of, maybe I'm not alone. That's what we're after. That's the temple. We don't rebuild there. If we don't start there, then what are we even doing? We're just spinning our wheels. We're dropping coins in a person every week. So what we're doing here is we're trying to create a space where people can encounter grace and peace every single time they walk through the doors. And of course, there are individual implications to this as well. Where do, where do you need to go looking for reorientation? Are you struggling with this progression? What is the temple for you? What is the center of who you were created to be? What does it mean to find yourself looking for what, what do I even rebuild? first what what is it like what are the things that you do just because the, I, these are the things that I've always done but what are the things that you do because oh this is the center of who I am this is who I was meant to be in the world what is it what does it look like for you to to shoot to return to become who you were meant to be in a world where everything feels disappointing so we're gonna keep doing this we, we we are here we will be here next Sunday we'll be here the Sunday after that we'll be here the Sunday after that we just can't take it anymore. And um, when we gather, it's not just because this is what we do on Sunday mornings. When we gather, it's going to be because we are trying to offer grace and peace to anyone in search of it. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here to do. That's what it looks like for us to rebuild the temple, to remind people you are loved, you are seen, you are not alone. And to remind people that we are invited to create a space and to participate in a space that's oriented towards the grace and peace of God, we thank you for this invitation to rebuild at the center of who we are, of who we were created to be. For those of for those of us who walked in in desperate need of grace and peace, may we leave this place with more of that than we had when we first arrived. May we as a church continue to ask questions about what it means for us to return. May we never lose sight of what it means for us to be here and to offer this space to anyone who May we rebuild at the center of who you created us to be. And may we find ourselves discovering more and more of what it means to reorient ourselves to, to a new reality. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you all so, so much for being here with us. Like I said, we'll be here next week, and the week after, and the week after that, and so on, and so on, and so on. So uh, feel free to come back anytime.
it, this is a thing I haven't said in a long time. There are offering boxes in the back if you want to give. Um, if you don't, that's totally okay as well. You can also give online if that's something you're more comfortable doing. Um, thank you all so much for being here. Grace and peace be with you. Also with you. All right, and we're there. <laughs> <laughs>